How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host for today's show, Nicholas Moriano, and as you can see, Will DeWitt is not here. He's out helping a friend get to the airport. Somewhere in Indianapolis, he's going to drop off his friend at the airport, but I'm not alone because I have Brandon Hazlett and Will Ingles here. Guys, before we start talking about Bears and what happened today with free agency, how are you guys doing today? Brandon, we'll start with you. I'm amazing. Just uh, an all-around good day. Was was active at work. Uh, didn't do much, which is good. So uh, overall, just an amazing day. Hey, that's great to hear. Is it warmer by you? Because it was like 60 degrees here, and it was amazing. Just stepping outside, I was like, yes, this is what we needed because it it just needs to be here. It's almost spring. It is almost spring. It was nice. It was you know, pretty close to the 60 today, but the, the wind out here in, in Northwest Indiana about knocked everything over. I seen someone's uh, porta pot was knocked over. So that's kind of uh, upsetting for whoever's got to go pick that up. So, uh, yeah, that's not, not the best. How about yeah, you? you? He had an all around good day, but I'm sure that guy didn't. <laughs> yeah. <I'm sure> didn't. <laughs> um, today's been pretty solid. I got to enjoy some of that warm weather for the first half of the day, but uh, the aforementioned wind rolled around to Rock Island around two or three o'clock today. And, uh, Ever since then, it has been as fun to be outside, but great to feel some spring. Get that get that in the air. It's been wonderful. Yeah, get that in the air, have that warmer weather, and it's a, it seems like a fitting time because the Bears, they made a pretty big move today, uh, maybe some people would say. And we're just going to start off with the news that, what, broke maybe a couple hours ago with the Bears signing HaHa Clindix, the six foot one, 208-pound safety, 26 years old, signed a one-year $3.5 million deal with the Bears. And, guys, we saw players like Tyron Matthew, Earl Thomas, Landon Collins, all these safeties break the bank with making money at the safety position. But this one, this is a pretty friendly deal for the Bears. And according to NFL Network's Mike Garofolo, and this was his tweet, he said, uh, Haha Clinton Dix had more on the table elsewhere, but it sounds like he wanted to join that Chicago defense and be reunited with his Alabama teammate, Eddie Jackson. Guys, I just want to know, what are your reactions to HaHa now becoming the Chicago Bear, replacing Adrian Amos? And Brandon, I'll start with you. What were your reactions when the Bears signed him? Yeah, first of all, I thought it was a, a nice money number. You know, I'd, I'm kind of frugal myself, so when I see we bring in, 
you know, pretty decent players for cheap. That makes me happy inside, you know, and it's a one year prove it deal, you know, the three and a half million. And, uh, I, I am an Adrian Amos fan. Uh, I'm happy to see him get his money, but I think that he was overpaid. So it's nice bringing a guy that we brought in for, for the right dollar amount. So overall, I think this is just a very solid signing because he's going to have to come out and, and really prove himself. If he wants to stay here in Chicago with Eddie Jackson, uh, continue to be a part of clubbed up every year he's gonna have to go out and earn it uh, and i think that's where ryan pace really does well and he definitely brought him in on a, on a good deal so overall, i was i was happy with it yeah yeah me too what about you will what are you thinking about this haha clint dix deal i think the money is really telling to the, really turning the corner for the bears officially uh there was a time obviously players were signing but they were still getting paid you know taylor gabriel is still getting paid alan robinson says you know, the culture here, that's why I came here. You're still getting paid $14 million a year. That is a premium price. This is a player who we have sources saying that he had more money on the table elsewhere, but he wanted to come to Chicago. He was willing to sign for less to be in Chicago. The Bears have officially turned the corner record-wise. Obviously, last year was turning a corner in a lot of other ways, but now in the offseason, it is, it is beyond official that players are willing to take less money to be here. There are a number of things that are really good about Haha uh, Clinton Dix. We're going to go into a lot of those, but the signing itself is a really big deal on a number of fronts, which is really cool. Yeah, because just think about previous to you know just last season, this wouldn't have been possible for the Bears. They there were no free agents wanting to come to Chicago, be a part of that losing culture, be associated with the Chicago Bears. But now, after Matt Nagy and that uh, Coach of the Year. 12 and, four, 12 and 4, just going in, it, making the playoffs. Players want to come here, and that's great for the Bears. That's great for Bears fans, great for the organization, that now you can get players that, even though, like Haha Dix said, um, he probably could have made more money somewhere else, just want to be a part of this Chicago Bears team. But let's talk about Haha Dix, the player. And in 2018, he did play for the Green Bay Packers and the Washington Redskins. So he started all 16 games, had three interceptions uh, for 25 yards. He had 93 tackles on the season. So pretty productive. But I guess a lot of Bears fans are probably wondering, well, what, what was the downfall? What ended up happening to where HaHa Clinton Dix was, uh, ended up getting traded? What was the reasoning for that? I mean, this was a former number, you know, first-round pick, number 21 overall. And just according to uh, Packers Wires writer Zach Cruz, I'm sorry if I butchered that last name, um, basically what happened with Ha Clint Dix, according to him, back in uh, October, he wrote, Clint Dix has regressed into an inconsistent, occasionally unpredictable player since making the Pro Bowl in 2016. That, Like I said, that was written in October 31st. And I just wanted to follow up on that. So I actually tweeted out and asked Zach, well, what what's the reasoning for Ha Ha not... Uh, not sticking with the Packers. So here's what he told me. They weren't going to resign him. As a player, he's fine. Not a good tackler, takes poor angles, freelances way too much in coverage, just too unreliable. So when I when I read that kind of stuff, Will, and I know you were able to actually catch up and watch a little bit of film on him today. And I know the news just broke out, so it's not like we've had a, an extensive background to look into the actual tape for Haha. What did you see? Do some of those things that I read, do they show up when, when you were watching film today? 
Yeah, absolutely. A few of them certainly do. Um, I'll just go through my notes and I can uh, hit on them a little yeah. bit for each. So first of all, weak pursuit player from the opposite side of the ball. Uh, if he is on the weak side of a play, I thought his pursuit, not only his effort, but his angles, I thought a few times were atrocious would be the word I use for some of those. Uh, definitely did not like what I saw. Uh, there were a few times where his angle actually ended up, or at least the play ended up where that level of pursuit was needed. And he could have caught off the, uh, the ball carrier maybe five yards earlier if he would have actually been hoofing it all the way. Um, when he does come down on a play, especially from the single high safety spot, he doesn't bring the pop. He's just looking to get the guy down. Sometimes it's all that's necessary, but there are a few times, especially going from a guy like Adrian Amos who would always bring the boom with him, that's not what you're going to see in uh, Clinton Dix. There are some things that he brings uh, to kind of like compensate for that, but if you're looking for a guy who's going to bring the pop, not a lot going on there. He is better on outbreaking routes from what I watched. Um, that's He had an interception against Washington on one of those. Uh, I really like what he did on that. And it also showed that he was disciplined uh, to his defensive assignment, at least on that occasion, because he had gotten beat by Jordan Reed for about a 15-yard gain just because the defense that was called was uh, really kind of given up the middle of the field for a large part of it. The middle linebackers were uh, both in man coverage, so they and the other tight end on the other side and then the running back both went flushed out to the other side really opened up that route for Jordan Reed but he didn't let that deter him on the very next play kind of the same exact setup that middle of the field was vacated but ha Clinton Dix didn't jump inside he stayed outside he basically ran the route for Jordan Reed and it got him an interception so very defensive uh, assignment sound and it got him an interception uh, we were talking pre-show. Uh, I said he seems a little bit soft sometimes, and Brandon asked for soft hands, and he absolutely had soft hands on that play. Another note, when there were two high safeties, um, not too often did that happen in the film that I watched, but when there were two high safeties, he will crash down on the run action to his side, which I thought was encouraging. He is willing to do it, but he won't do it from a single high position. When he does do it from a single high position, I didn't really like the run angles that he took, uh, and I also thought that his ability to suck out space was really lacking. He could have closed down a lot harder. I understand single high. You want to make sure you're the last line of defense, but some discouraging things there with uh, allowing some extra yardage, and especially uh, that manifests itself even more with him kind of not uh, taking a very hard uh, hit. He's allowing extra yardage just based on the contact as well. And uh, that I kind of already mentioned this point, timid tackler when closing space, um, just looking to get the guy down. Uh, I like it how he played the, played the run, especially when he's close to the line of scrimmage. And that happened a lot more when there were two highs. So he was down towards the line of scrimmage a lot more based on the heavy side of the run formation or to pass formation as well. He's playing close to the line of scrimmage, being close to that. Really liked how he played the run there. Was a lot more willing to get up into the play. There are a few more, uh, there were a few run plays where he was right in the grill of the running back forcing him to cut back into the linebackers or making the tackle himself. So I liked it when he was close to the line of scrimmage. Um, further away, he gets a lot softer when it comes to making hits. One last note, there were a few occasions where they had him play man coverage in almost a nickel type of way. So that might be interesting as you go into uh, a Chuck Pagano team where he likes to utilize a ton of defensive backs in a ton of different ways. So those were just some notes that I had of watching film. Gotcha. Well, thank you so much for that great analysis of, you know, that great and quick analysis of uh, Ha Clinton Dix there. Now over to you, Brandon. Is there anything that alarms you or that you like about HaHa Clinton Dix, the player that you were just aware of or that you were able to kind of find out since he was signed, what, a couple hours ago? Yeah, I mean, the inconsistent thing was one that really stood out to me because when he was drafted, 
Uh, he was someone that I really wanted the Bears to get hopefully early in the second round, but he ended up going uh, in the first round to Green Bay there. Uh, and, and it showed how good of a player he, that I thought he was when, you know, his first three years before the Pro Bowl, uh, like you mentioned, when they started looking to be a little more inconsistent. He had 105 tackles his rookie year, 100 in his second year, uh, then 79 his his third year, uh, the year that he went to the Pro Bowl. And there for that, I mean, it's really kind of inconsistent uh, from there on the on the stat line too. But overall, he's he's a productive player. Uh, you know, he may not bring the the pop every time, uh, but as long as he's bringing the guy down and not allowing the extra yards, which also seems to be an issue from time to time, uh, then I think that he'll, he'll fit better in Chuck Pagano's system than, than maybe some of the other ones that we've seen in the past. I think that also the, that effort uh, that Will talked about can be fixed uh, playing next to a guy that he uh, is familiar with uh, is a guy that he came to Chicago to be with. Uh, and then also the, the system itself, the, um, the environment, the, uh, the camaraderie that goes on. I think that all that's really going to help put him forth the effort because he knows, you know, I got to lay it on the line for all these guys so we can have this much fun. And I think that that's something that uh, he took into consideration, or at least I hope he did anyway. Uh, and that, that's something that we'll, we'll see as the season goes on. But I, I hope that those are things that help improve some of those things that uh, we've seen as negatives that Will brought up. Yeah, and you talked about improvements there, Brandon. And I think him coming to Chicago, you'll you'll see improvements, and in part because uh, just going back to um, what Zach said about how Clint Dix and why the the Packers maybe got away from him, he freelances way too much in coverage, just too unreliable. You could take that both. You could take that two ways. One, he's trying to be opportunistic and trying to make a play. And then two, he's just not maybe sound with his assignments. I don't think it's the sound with his his assignments is a problem, but you now he's with this Bears defense, and we I think we heard Kyle Fuller earlier in the year say he'll take more chances because he knows he has Eddie Jackson in the back there who's going to make up for any of the mistakes that he might make, maybe jumping a route. Well, you could kind of make those same exact mistakes because look, now you still have Eddie Jackson back there, and now Haha Clinton Dix, someone who maybe freelances way too much, can now take more of those opportunities, those risks, and maybe getting that interception as opposed to just sitting and waiting for a route to develop. So I like that he's paired up with this Bears defense. Then I think it just kind of elevates the play of whoever gets brought into it. So when you bring him in, have A. Jackson next to him, a guy that he said that he would like to play with alongside with an all-pro safety that I think is where Haha Clinton Dick's game could further improve and allow him to be that ball hawking player that he once was in you know 2016 going to the Pro Bowl. So I think you're going to see more opportunities, more risks taken from him because he knows he has an all pro safety in the back there. And look, Chuck Pagano, we all know, has that history of just working with DBs. You know he's going to want to work on some of those those uh I guess not the faults of Ha Clint Dick so far in his career, but he's still a very young player to where you can definitely learn and adapt and just kind of look at the players around you because look, just look at how Kyle Fuller was able to adapt from one year to the other. Now he's an all pro. I think that it, once you're around, like you said, Brandon, around other players that are doing great things and you're part of a unit that itself was number one, top three in the NFL last year, you're, play just goes and elevates along with with the rest of the guys so that's what i'm encouraged about i'm also encouraged um jj stankovitz from nbc chicago uh he tweeted out that um after the bears actually lost that playoff game to to the eagles and just to kind of reiterate the friendship that ha clinton dicks and eddie jackson have uh 
ha Clinton Dix actually posted on his Instagram, just congratulating Eddie Jackson and just, you know, saying, Hey, had they had you out there, that game would have been a completely different story. Just kind of shows that that is a true relationship that those guys are true. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You know, great friends. I think there were only on Alabama for one year, if I'm not mistaken, that 2013 season, that team did end up winning the national championship against Notre Dame, which wasn't a game. If you guys all remember that, but still they, they were able to develop that, that chemistry there. And obviously it's one of the reasons why ha Clinton Dix is back in Chicago or not back in Chicago, in Chicago, not as a, you know, green Bay Packer, but as a Chicago bear alongside Eddie Jackson, but guys, before we we move on from Haha, is there anything else that you guys want to bring up about him, him as a player of the contract, or just the signing overall, or just him filling that need for the Bears? Because now I think the Bears have two two actual strong safeties on the roster, with being Haha Clinton Dix and Deion Bush. You guys have any ask any last remarks before we move on to any of the other players? Yeah, uh, I think that he's actually an improvement over Amos uh, just a little bit uh, just because I was such a, an Amos advocate. But uh, I, I think that the system is going to play better for, for Clinton Dix because Chuck Pagano is an aggressive coach. Uh, more blitzes, which means we're going to have uh, more guys that are going to have to play back uh, in coverage. And I think that's something that we, we know how I can do. So I, I'm looking forward to see what, what Pagano can do with them and, and build them up. Yeah, yeah. I was talking a little bit earlier about uh, how I like to mourn a too high safety uh, look, and I think that's something that Chuck Logano is going to bring a lot. He likes to feel a lot of DBs at the same time, and I think uh, re- relegating the space that uh, Ha Clinton Dix has to play makes him a better player. I think we're going to see a lot of that uh, as we go into this season. So really excited to see how Pagano utilizes him. I think there are a lot of deficiencies currently in his game, but I do think that a guy like Pagano in a defense like the Bears can really utilize a player like that to a lot of great potential so i guess i'm wary at this point but i'm really excited about the potential of the site yeah no for sure there well i have two last things on ha clinton and i'm actually gonna to uh reference uh some of matt bowen's uh tweets here someone actually asked him and i'll credit the guy for on twitter for asking the question i think this is how you pronounce it dano coach 26 and he asked matt bowen i've seen a lot of guys suggest amos will play free safety in green bay and that Clinton Dix could replace Amos at strong safety. My question is, are safeties that are safeties that are interchangeable in the modern NFL? Uh, I know there's a lot of overlap in what they're asked to do in coverage. And here's Matt Bowen's response to that. Just in case people are a little wary, well, can Haha do this? Can Eddie Jackson, you know, play this safety position, that safety position? Well, here's here's the thing. Safeties have to be interchangeable. And I'm going to read the rest of this tweet. Before I okay, Will DeWitt's here, you guys. So what's going on, Will? You just kind of popped in. How was uh the ride to the airport? It was nice. Appreciate it. I've been listening to you guys since you uh, went live just about fifteen minutes ago. Uh, I was speeding a little bit. Don't tell the popo, but I'm here. Nick, you've been doing a great job hosting, so I'm not going to bombard you any further. Take it away where you were exactly, and I'll chime in uh, as I deem fit. All right. So the rest of that Matt Bowen tweet about the safeties, and if they're interchangeable or not, Matt Bowen uh, wrote uh, to his response was saying, 
Safeties have to be interchangeable in pretty much every system. A simple motion across the formation can force a strong safety slash free safety to rotate. And in Chicago, the Bears play a lot of split safety coverage. So that, I guess, can give you a little bit of comfort knowing that, hey, regardless of what ends up happening on any given play, look, these safeties are going to have to change responsibilities depending on the formation, depending on what the offense is doing. And I think having, you know, Hog, Clinton Dix, and A. Jackson, guys that are obviously played in Alabama, it's been some time, but they know each other. It's going to take some time to get, you know, that chemistry back going. But that's what they're going to have to do because that's what safeties are asked to do in the NFL. And someone also asked uh, Matt Bowen, and this is, I think, the Twitter name, and I hope I don't pronounce this wrong. It's a kind of a couple words here. If you leave for a team in your division, you a fraud. So that that's the name just kind of reading out there. He has, well, he's, he stated Eddie couldn't play strong safety. Okay. It's an opinion. Um, and then Matt Bowen replies, Eddie Jackson will rotate down as an underneath zone defender or to match up in coverage. So some of the same responsibilities as a strong safety in certain passing situations. Look, yes, they have these labels, free safety, strong safety. And obviously Eddie Jackson being that free safety going to be roaming around the back end. But those responsibilities will interchange at some point during a game, depending on formation. So just wanted to, to add that. Then there was just one last thing in this uh, referencing PFF and J.J. Stankovitz one last time from NBC Chicago. This is his tweet. This is just one stat, so not trying to draw a major conclusion out of it. But HaHa Clindix had fewer missed tackles in 2018, eight, than Adrian Amos, nine per PFF. So take that for what you want. Obviously, that means Hockland Dix is a better safety. We we beat Green Bay again. It's all good. But I just want to, you know, mention that one, one last thing. Uh, Will DeWitt, do you have any uh, reaction to the Bears signing Hockland Dix uh, when you saw the deal? Any reactions there? Well, I was driving. It's been a day full of driving, uh, which is a little bit dangerous when you're trying to make sure you're keeping up on all the latest breaking news here during the early free agency period. I don't think I have anything to add that you guys didn't yet. I mean, obviously the deal's great with the money, only three point five million. You guys already mentioned that. I mean, Ryan Pace continues to find players at a bargain, which is very impressive. I've been seeing other Will Will Ingles's Ryan Pace gift that he made over a year ago circulating around Bears Twitter right now, which is really awesome. Sweet. And then from there, I mean, he's a good player. Uh, he's probably going to be able to replace Adrian Amos without much, uh, skipping a beat all too much. Uh, Will gave a great in- analysis of his strengths and weaknesses. I don't need to rehash those. But, yeah, overall, this is a great signing. Uh, Nick, you mentioned all the other contracts. Safeties are breaking the bank this year. And right now, that's not happening in Chicago. We got a guy to bargain. Uh, we still have put, well, not plenty of cap left. We still have a decent amount of room in the cap uh, still to play with. And we still have a safety that should be able to fit in right away and fulfill his duties. So that's exactly what we wanted. We didn't want to have much of a drop-off. Ryan Pace found a way to get it done. So, ha-ha. We did. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's going to be something that's going to be throughout the 2019 season. You had a great uh, tweet earlier, Will, with uh, what you're going to do whenever HaHa ha makes a play. Go check that on the Twitter page if you haven't seen it. So that's that's our analysis, our breakdown so far of HaHa ha Dix. Obviously, very early. It just broke, what, a couple hours ago now. But let's move on. And it's a guy that we mentioned uh, in our last podcast on Monday. But Cordell Patterson, we've had a couple days to just think about the move what he's going to do for the bears, uh, why it's a good move. Uh, Brandon, since they signed or, you know, we're looking to get Cordell Patterson. Now it's, you know, technically official. Um, what are your thoughts about Cordell Patterson and how he fits in this, the, the bears team? 
I like him a lot in the offense, but it's it solves a lot of special teams problems. You know, like now he, he, we got a kick returner. Like the last time he was in Chicago, he took one back for a touchdown, right? So that's a good feeling. I mean, it wasn't then, but it certainly is now. So I, I think the special teams definitely improved in that area. As, as long as they can get uh, some good blocking in front of him, I think that's where his biggest impact is really going to be felt. But I'm also sitting here looking at his stats, and he had 42 rushes when he was with New England last year. I didn't realize he ran wow. the ball that many times. Uh, so that's just another different aspect that he can really bring to this team. Now you can have uh, Jordan Howard, Treat Cohen, and Cordell Patterson. You're not going to know who's going to run the ball. So I, I think that's a really uh, interesting wrinkle that we can see in Matt Nagy's offense now. Just I never realized how much he actually ran the ball in New England. So it's uh, uh, it just makes me like the signing uh, that much more. Yeah, no, wide receiver, kick returner, running back. He does it all, and hopefully he can bring that here to Chicago. What about you, Will Ingles? What, what, any new kind of uh, you know assessment of Cordero Patterson? Sorry if I pronounced that wrong earlier, um, just since, uh, since Monday. Um, and writing an article that uh, was talking about the uh, approach for Ryan Pace through this free agency, which is still true after the signing of uh, Ha Clinton Dix. Of course, he signs right after we publish it, but that's how it goes sometimes. Still relevant information. When I was talking about uh, Cordero Patterson, I was thinking about this formation and all the speed that's on the field when you have Tariq Cohen, Cordero Patterson, and then Taylor Gabriel on the field at the same time. Like that, that is a lot of space to cover. And I was thinking about all the pre-snap motion that the Bears like to employ. And all that motion is supposed to do is have either the linebackers and safety start taking a couple steps the wrong way. But when you have that much uh, when you have that much speed on the field, all you have to do is lean the wrong way. And you're already you've already lost that play. When you have that much speed and you can have guys lining up all over the place, like Patterson can be in the backfield, so can Tariq Cohen. Those guys can be motioning out, motioning across. Tara Gabriel doing the same thing like that is just a nightmare for defenses to uh, to even try to come up with a way to stop. So that's just one formation that popped into my mind. And uh, Patterson's just so versatile and so dangerous in so many ways. Uh, some people not liking the five million per year. I'm like the value that he can bring to an offense. I think that's a steal depending on how much they want to feature him this year. Yeah, Ryan Pace has just been stealing all free agency, and it's great to see. But I was also thinking about formations earlier today, just talking with a coworker. Imagine having Trubisky in the shotgun, Cordell Patterson to his right, and whoever that running back is, whether it's Jordan Howard, Davis, or maybe a third-round draft pick. And then you have also Tree Cohen out as in the slot. Just so many options for the Bears and what Matt Nagy's creative mind can bring on any given play. So it's very exciting that, you know, a guy like Josh McDaniels got a lot out of Cordero Patterson. Now what is Matt Nagy going to do? I mean, this is a guy that first game of the season last year against the Packers, he has Charles Owen Jr. line up as a wide receiver. So imagine what he's going to be able to do with Patterson with that speed, that deep threat, just being a running back, kicker, everything. It, it's, it's really exciting for the Bears and what this offense can really do. What about you, Will? Anything new on Patterson that you want to hit on? Oh, uh, yeah, a couple of things. Uh, Brandon brought up the great stat of the 42 rushes, but he forgot to follow up with even a better stat, uh, saying that he averaged 5.4 yards per attempt despite those 42 rushes last year in New England. And as a career rusher, he averages almost 8 yards per carry. He's at 7.9. So if you're looking uh, at him as a pure runner, obviously, uh, you guys talked about different formations and what exactly uh, the Bears can do to utilize him. I keep thinking about that play that used a lot last year, that jet sweep with either Anthony Miller, uh, Taylor Gabriel. Now you throw in Patterson, who for a career averages eight yards per carry. 
that's going to be fun. And then, like you guys talked about, the other guy's emotion, him as well. He's going to be a threat. He can be a decoy as well. And another thing about Cordero Patterson on offense is his big play capability. If you look through all of his years since 2013, here's his longest plays per season. A 79-yard catch his rookie year, um, a See, 67 yard rush was his sophomore year. And then from there, you look at uh, 2015, which is a void because of an injury. So you go over to 2016, you're looking at a 52 yard long catch, 42 yard long catch in 2017. And then last year in New England, he had another 47 yard catch. I'm sorry, that was in Oakland in 2017. But no matter which way he splice it, Cordero Patterson, uh, either be a kick returner, which you guys talked about. Previously this week, we already hit on a little bit. He's going to bolster that aspect of this game. Already talked about how dangerous this offense is going to be with an extra nine yards per average uh, to begin with on these series, on these drives. Then on offense, he's uh, he has big play potential written all over him. He might not get a ton of touches. He may not be a focal point of the game plan. That's not what we brought him in here to be. Um, but when you're looking at Cordero Patterson, two things come to mind, uh, his kick return prowess, and then, of course, the big play capability on offense and $5 million a year guys isn't a lot. That's less than what we paid Kevin white last year and he didn't do anything. So I, this is $5 million well spent by Ryan pace, big play capability, kick return game is fixed. At least on paper, it's fixed. We'll see how it all comes together scheme wise come next season. But no, this is a home run for all the reasons he provides this team value across the board. No doubt about that. And you just mentioned Kevin white. And I think he actually signed with the Arizona Cardinals. So even though, you know, Kevin White didn't do much for the Bears here in Chicago, wish him all the best in Arizona. Hopefully he has a new start to his career and is able to do something there. Uh, just last two things on Cordero Patterson. Uh, Chris Emma tweeted out some uh, good tweets about why he was even here. Why is he here in Chicago in the first place? And here's the, the first uh, tweet. Cordero Patterson said signing with the Bears was a no brainer for him. Um, I wanted to be a part of that culture. And we talked about that earlier, the Bears being able to establish, uh, you know, this culture here and that other players, free agents want to come and be a part of. So that's great. And another thing, and I'm surprised I didn't see this when uh, it happened uh, earlier in the day. Emma also tweeted that. And here's a tweet. Cordero Patterson hopes to get in touch with Bears, Devin Hester and talk playmaking. Uh, every change, and here's uh, the quote, every change I get with the ball, every chance, sorry, I get with the ball in my hands, I try to make an explosive play. It doesn't matter where they line me up. I just want to go out and make a play for my team. I mean, you're you're doing everything right from the very beginning. Reaching out to Devin Hester, obviously was you know a legend here on, on special teams, kick return, the best ever all time, but that's how you want to do it. If you want to be able to find success at the kick returner position, which the bears haven't had since Devin Hester reach out to the greatest of all time who did it and then see how he was able to do it. But yeah, just great. Uh, great by Patterson, just reaching out, wanting to reach out and hopefully he does get in contact with him and able to bring some of those kick returning abilities, those big plays on offense to Chicago next season. All right. Well, the bears weren't done and this is maybe a smaller move, but one that is still important. The Bears also brought back Ted Larson. He's going into his 10th season, second with the Bears. Most recently was in Miami for the last two seasons, but the Bears signed him to a one-year deal worth $930,000 in base salary for 2019. Um, you got to remember, Bryce, uh, Brian Witzman, he's going to be a free agent. And also Kyle Long entered this offseason healthy, so that's good for, for the first time not needing surgery um, going into an offseason. But... Larson adds good depth and is a backup piece. 
and obviously Larson when he was with the Bears in 2016. It's part of a new offense or different offense and has to get adjusted, but I'm sure he'll be just fine. Guys, um, obviously not the biggest move, but you need to add depth, especially with a team that didn't have many holes to fill coming in. Are you guys a fan of the Ted Larson, uh, I guess, coming back to Chicago? What do you guys think, Brandon? Yeah, I'm a fan of him coming back. I mean, he was a little older, like you said, he's entering his 10th year, so he's not someone that you want to rely on a whole lot. Uh, but he's a good fill-in piece whenever uh, someone goes down who rolled an ankle for a couple plays or if he's got to play a half or something. You know, like He's going to be able to hold his own out there, and he's also very mobile, so that works uh, very well with this offense. If there's got to be some moving pieces around with the offensive line, he could line up a wide receiver too, you know? So uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I like the signing. Uh, mostly just adds the depth that we really needed. He's not going to be a, a game changer or anything of that nature, but he'll hold his own and he'll be able to uh, really help the offensive line with their depth. Yeah, for sure. Will Ingles, any thoughts on Ted Larson signing? Speaking of depth, he also adds versatility because in 2016, uh, that was the year that Hironis Grisou went down. Yep. You had Kyle Long, who was dealing with some injury issues as well. We were debating whether or not Ted Larson starting at center. Obviously, we know how everything went with Cody White here eventually taking that spot. But he offers you uh, depth at a lot of different positions, which is so important in the NFL. Uh, you have a guy who has not only uh, has not only has the ability, but has the experience there as well. He has had in-game snaps at center and guard. Great depth piece, familiar with a few players on the team still. Uh, a little wary, had a penchant for starting fights in training camp. Um, got a bit of a reputation for that. I texted Will uh, earlier. I said, what's the over-under on fights this year during training camp started by the Ted Larson? And I uh, believe we set it at 5.5, and uh, I took the over. So I don't think I ever heard from Will which side he was taking. I think he just kind of laughed at it. But you I want to know? <laughs> hey, let's do it live. What what is the Ooh, do it live? Yeah. I'll, I'll take the under on it. I think uh, the older he gets, maybe he's a little less feisty. He's going to be a little even though he will be a little bit more aggravated with that Bears defensive front compared to when he was here last time. So you may be onto something, Will. Yeah, age age makes you crotchety, I hear. Or at least that's what <laughs> my dad tells me. So <laughs> So I'm going to go with the over on it, but uh, that's the only thing I'm even slightly wary of, but overall, that's a great team, great locker room, uh, and I don't think that the frustrations from losing will be prevalent like they were in 15, 16, and 17. So overall, solid signing, great depth, and great versatility. Yeah, winning helps to solve a lot of problems, and you know, Ted Larson wasn't a part of a lot of winning when he was in Chicago for his uh, first uh, stint here. But guys, I mean, other than that, there wasn't anything else to happen, anything big. And Will, you're you're looking at me. Do I get to talk about Ted Larson? Oh, I thought you put your two cents in there about the over and under, but go ahead. This this show is strictly about Ted Larson, actually. So go right it ahead. It's going to be known as the <laughs> Ted Larson show. Uh, no, I mean, even though he's coming into a you know a team that he used to play for, he's going to be walking in, and it's going to be like he's at a brand new place. Like he, there's nothing similar besides a couple of faces around uh, that's going to even remind him of the old regime. I mean, they have a new training facility coming up here in Howis Hall. I'm sure he's going to love that. So, I mean, he's going to be like, even though he's going to feel like home, it's going to be different this time around, which is probably exciting for him. I'm sure he's excited coming back to Chicago, seeing all the changes that were made. And I mean, you guys hit it on the top of the show about the culture change and shifts over the past even year. Uh, that's the big reason why we're able to bring in some of these guys at some lower contracts. But the only other thing I wanted to mention is, I still want to count out the Bears looking at re-signing a Brian Witzman still because we did lose Eric Cush to the Browns. So we still are looking for that one additional veteran, versatile interior offensive lineman. 
And I can see Whitsman still fitting that bill. I'm sure they're looking elsewhere to see what else is on the table. Um, but just wanted to say that even though Ted Larson's coming back, the Bears do need a still at least minimum, at least going to training camp, one or two additional interior offensive linemen. You know, one thing, you mentioned that there's a lot of new faces on this team. Uh, there are a ton of them, uh, but the one place where he can uh, kind of feel at home is actually on the offensive line. There's only going to be one new face, and that's James Daniels, because Bobby Massey was signed in 2016, Cody Whitehair drafted in 2016, Kyle Long was obviously there already, and then uh, Charles Leno Jr., I believe, was there as well. So yep. I think you have pretty much everyone there still, as far as the offensive line is concerned, which continuity-wise, knowing how each other work, even if it's in a different scheme, is pretty important. Absolutely. Good point. Yeah, no, continuity along the offensive line goes a long way. So, guys, actually, before we we head off, is there, and I know, Will, you just mentioned, like, bringing maybe another offensive lineman or two, um, you know, start training camp would be a good way. But is there any other last kind of moves that you want to see from Ryan Pace before, you know, free agency is over and maybe go into the second wave? Is there any uh, position-wise or player specifically that you're looking for? Like, oh, Ryan Pace, you know, make a move, go get him. There's still some, still some cap space left. Um, does anybody have anybody in mind? And this is just, you know, free, open. Mm, you know, I mean, I'll start off real quick. I think I still want them to see uh, pick up an edge rusher. I know that more than likely with a deep draft class, they're going to still address this in the draft. But I still would be weary if, say, they used their third or fourth round pick on outside linebacker. Then you would have Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd. Isaiah Irving, which I think we know what we have in him at this point, which I'm assuming he's coming back. They tendered him. We'll see. I don't really expect a lot of attention for him this offseason. And then you have Kylie Fitz, obviously coming in in a second year. Who knows exactly how well he's going to progress, but he did leave a little bit uh, more to be desired last season. So I want to see another veteran in that room because, again, I don't know what we have in the young guys. Even if you get another player in the draft, I would still be slightly hesitant to have full confidence in the overall depth at that position. So for me, outside linebacker, no other names, though, Nick. I mean, Justin Houston's the big one. I don't think he comes to Chicago. You never know. Pace is bringing in guys at some pretty low deals, so maybe he can talk him into it, but... No, the other guys I mentioned, a few of them have already been signed. A couple that I looked into aren't really as good as fits as I originally intended. Uh, so, yeah, no names, but that's the last position that I believe the Bears must address this offseason. Anybody for you, Brandon, or position-wise that you would like Ryan Pace to kind of go and address? Yeah, I'm with Will. I mean, that position is definitely the big need. So if they don't do anything, I'd at least like to see them go with uh, Ed Rusher, outside linebacker. But if we're willing to uh, find guys for cheap deals, I think that maybe we should still address nickel corner. I know we, we signed Buster Scrines, but uh, maybe bring in someone else just because I'm kind of meh about it. You know, I think signing hot Clinton Dix will help uh, cover up any mistakes that he might make. Cause we know that he's kind of inconsistent. Uh, Scrines is inconsistent and likes to draw the, the penalties on defense. So uh, I'd still like to maybe see them bring in one other guy on a prove a deal or just something for training camp, you know, bring some sort of competition to it. You know, well, you mentioned in your article, well, maybe Bryce Callahan could be an option because look, as of right now, there really it doesn't seem like there's a market for him, or there hasn't been any, you know, buzz about Bryce Callahan going anywhere. Um, is that a guy that you would like to possibly see back if on the right deal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, at this point in the game, the prices go down. So, I mean, the longer the time keeps ticking, the more I see this as a possibility. Uh, maybe I maybe I'm getting my hopes up too much, but. I mean, you think about it. Uh, I believe it's. I believe you pronounce it Buster Screen. Am I mistaken in that? No, I think um, it is Buster Screen. So we'll we'll get that down eventually. But it's not spelled the way it sounds. Right. Um. Oh. So the way around. It's not sounds the way. No, it's it does 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. Thank you, Will. Any, Thank you. Anyways, um, Screen's a guy that has played outside and inside a corner before. Um, and you think at times last year, I believe there was a, sl a small period of time where both Prince Mugamara and Bryce Callahan were out. And I think that's a time that the Bears were lucky. They probably didn't get exposed. I believe they played some relatively lacking teams uh, for that small stretch. Uh, but if you think about it, if you're able to get Bryce Callahan back in there, A, your dime package is about the best in the NFL. There's no question True. about it. Uh, you're thinking two-minute drill. Uh, I would not want to have to throw on the Bears in the two-minute drill. I mean, you might see teams like, uh, well, maybe we can draw them to death uh, and hope that you don't run out of time. <laughs> uh, but from that point, I mean, your dime pack is incredible. And then you have Screen, who can play outside if you have something go wrong with uh, Mukamara. Uh, hopefully, you pray to God not fully, you pray to God not either of them. But you have a guy who has some experience outside. And honestly, if you ask me, his best years were outside in Cleveland. So that's something to look at, too, if you're going to bring in another guy like Callahan. Uh, you mentioned uh, edge rusher as well. Uh, you might actually be able, I believe they have give or take about $10 million left when you factor in in-season costs and making sure you're able to sign your draft class, uh, which it won't be nearly as expensive this year, but you still have to factor a couple million in for that. You might be able to swing something like getting a guy like Shane Ray and then also bringing in Bryce Callahan for what I expect to be a reasonable contract, considering that he doesn't have much of a market at this point for what it seems. Hey, I'm all for getting uh, Bryce Callahan back. Uh, the position that maybe, you know, honestly still needs to be addressed because there isn't any proven guys on this team right now is kicker. And I don't know if the Bears go for a veteran there or, you know, if they end up bringing in other guys, as long as the game name is not like blew it or like missed it or something like that, I think the bears will be okay. <laughs> but I think they got to just look at all their options at kicker because they can't let that position plague another season, especially the 2019 season, just shaping out what it might be. It seems like it's going to be yeah. a good one. Real quick, but, Nick. Yeah. And I'm curious if your guys' thoughts on here, because the more I think about it, the more I don't think they bring in a big, free agent kicker like a Getzkowski or a Matt Bryant because of how much they already have to pay Cody Parkey for this next season and dead cat money. That would be a ton of money locked up into the kicker position, which I guess if it solves it, that's not the end of the world, but what if Parkey's on the hook for what four or 5 million this year, is that around where it's at? Maybe it's like 4.5. We'll just me in the middle there. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm not, a, I don't ever uh, consider myself a contract expert by any means. I don't check those all too often, uh, but this is time of year to do it. Uh, but I think last I saw, it's up there. It's expensive. The Bears will be paying a lot of money. I'm, I'm actually going to look it up. If, if you close up the show before I find it, no biggie. Um, I'm going to look for it. <laughs> you know, I'm going to bring up something along that line as well so that I can buy Will some time. You got to actually start thinking about getting your special teams unit together because uh, being a long snapper myself in college, your relationship between long snapper to holder to kicker is absolutely vital. That is an operation in itself between those three. And that operation becomes better with time. I mean, obviously, you know, you learn and you deal with uh, interchanging pieces, but that's something that's a unit you want to get together sooner rather than later. And if you have guys battling through camp uh, for those positions, it starts to get a little bit dicey, if you ask me, between that long snapper holder kicker exchange. It's all it's all a clockwork operation. You got guys changing in and out. It can be a little tough to get it down. I found it. How much? Dead cap hit is five point two. Oof! Yeah, and that's that why hurt. I don't. That's why I don't see them going after a top tier free agent kicker because that's already again five million dollars dedicated to the position before the fact. Yeah, I mean it's dedicated, but if you bring Kostowski and things work out, 
Look, I mean, you have to do it. Look, it was a mistake by Ryan Pace. It was. And it's going to cost him. But you got to fix it. And if it's a, with a, what, maybe a seventh round draft pick, the, the kicker from LSU, maybe. But you don't know that he's going to. You don't know. Actually, you really don't even know if these established free agent kickers are going to be the guys because they thought that was going to be Parky. And you, we all saw how that panned out. It happens all the time. There I mean, I go. remember Josh Scobie going to the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. a few years back, and Scobie was one of the best kickers in the NFL. And then he goes to Pittsburgh, and he can't he can't even hit the crossbar to save his life. So, well, at least Cody Parkey can hit position. the upright. He, he definitely can. <laughs> he does it really well. And oh man, I think if you're going to miss on kicker, you may as well miss cheap instead of missing with more tied up money at the position. Um, who knows? I mean, I think they'll look into the draft, maybe some undrafted free agents, but they bring in four different kickers in the training camp, which is unprecedented but necessary. And then you let the best man win out of there, and then you have a little bit of reserve. They already know some of these guys waiting in the wings in the season. That might be the way to go. I'm not going to say who the kicker is going to be yet. Uh, let's wait and see. Uh, but uh, hopefully it's not Blewett. I know it's Blewett or Blewett or Blewett. Yeah, whatever. Maybe uh, I know it's not pronounced Blewett, but it's going to be hard not to say it once you see it. Uh, but Redford Jones, <laughs> I think, is the other guy, right? Yes. Do they yeah, even make know a special team's room in the locker room like big enough to host four kickers and a punter <laughs> and a long snapper? They will this year. They will have like, you know, like a cot or something. Like, here's your locker. <laughs> That's going to be... You want to know an interesting name that hasn't come up? And it's a position that isn't exactly what I need, but one that this guy could be an interesting upgrade for. Nadama can sue. Yeah. He's a free agent. Did you know he was a free agent? I did not know he was a free agent. I knew he was, but it's like, so in the last couple contracts have been huge. Yeah, but if no one's going to bid on him, I mean, I I think Roy Robertson Harris is a solid player. But he's inconsistent at times, and I think we found out that Jonathan Bullard is just who Jonathan Bullard is at this point. True. You got you got a front five rush of Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Dominic and Sue, and Leonard Floyd. Yeah, it'd be nasty. It would. Uh, according to the chat, though, Will Ingles, no Sue. That's been <laughs> that, that's going in. You know, a bunch of times on there. Who knows? They might do it. it the Bears would. Uh, you can never have enough pass rushes, right? So I wouldn't count it against Pace to at least look. It's going to do his dil- due diligence in looking at possible pass rushers. But, guys, I think I think that's it for this episode. I know what we're going to be watching in training camp, though, the kicking situation, obviously, with that discussion we just had about it. But, yeah, I think we're going to end it here. I, unless anything else happens, anything big, I don't know if we're going to go. Man, we might break it down. Who knows, right, Will? I mean, that's what we do, right? When the Bears straight up we in do. the draft, we come right back on live, even though we're halfway into, uh, what was it, last year? Anthony Miller? And then, yeah. actually, no, it was, we we're talking about James Daniels, did the show. Yeah. Ten minutes later, 15 minutes later, we're just having a good old time uh, in the green room, as they say, and I'm editing the old podcast, well, the first podcast. And then Nick's like, guys, the Bears are on the clock again. You just have to quick and go live as quickly as possible. So, yeah, that's what we do. Bears, if they make a splash tonight, I'll, I'll wake up and I'll come on. At any time after night, midnight, though, I'm out. I remember that night I had to go. Uh, I had, like, tickets to a play already. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll talk to you guys, like, when they pick in the third round or whenever their next pick was. And I remember just as, like, the lights were going down, it's like, please silence your phones. I see, like, on uh, Twitter, uh, Bears trade back in the second round. I'm like, well, <laughs> guess I won't be talking on that podcast. <laughs> well, you see, that's what we do. So in case any news breaks 
after this podcast gets over with, we'll be here to break it down and give you the best insight. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.